Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. Now here is Pastor Rocky Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, wow. That's awesome. 9 a.m. and you guys are wide awake. Love it. Uh, like Larry said earlier, my name is Rocky and I am the family pastor here. And I've been the family pastor here for a whopping three weeks. Uh, thank you. Um, my family and I are so grateful to be here. Um, and, and before I, I get into what we're going to talk about uh, this morning, um, I just want to take a second uh, and thank many of you in this room, because my wife and I came uh, here really not knowing what to expect, knowing that this was a really vibrant and energetic community, but we have experienced a level of love and acceptance that we've never experienced before. And truly, in three weeks, you have made this home for us. So thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So jumping right in. Last week, Larry kicked off a three-week series through the book of Jonah. And for those of you that weren't here, I'm just going to take uh, uh, some time to recap what he covered last week, because it's important uh, to know the first chapter so that we can get into chapter two. So Jonah is a prophet of God, and Jonah receives a word from God to go to Nineveh and to speak against their evil ways. Jonah hears that word and says, nope, uh-uh, I'm not doing that, and bolts in the opposite direction. He gets on a boat, and he literally is going to the furthest most point away from Nineveh. And as he's on this boat, God sends this storm and uh, through an interaction he has with the sailors on this boat, Jonah gives up. He is willing to die rather than do what God asks of him. I mean, Jonah's in a really bad place. And then a big fish swallows him up. <laughs> uh, before I go any further... Uh, I think I have to address the, uh, the elephant, or let's say a big fish in the room, okay? <laughs> there are many of you here that read this story, and you understand that it is a miracle. Um, your faith has allowed you to uh, read the story and say, yes, that is what God does, and that is what God is able to do. That is such a blessing. But there are probably some others in this room who hear this big fish part of the story and are a bit skeptical. What I want to say to you skeptics is that that's legitimate and that's okay. The Bible can handle our mere mortal questions. It is God's word and it is okay to come with our own questions and our own skepticism. That is okay. What I'm going to ask you to do this morning, though, is to stay in the story. Okay, Jonah is actually very unique in comparison to other minor prophets. Jonah is known as a minor prophet and is lumped together in the group of the, uh, of the Bible with other minor prophets. And minor prophets such as Obadiah, Amos, uh, Nahum, Micah, all of them write in a way that is just what the prophet says. 
So those books are just composed of these words speaking against evil things going on. Jonah is uniquely different because Jonah is a story. And how we are supposed to glean words of prophecy from Jonah is through the story. And so we have to stay in the story to hear God speak to us. So for those of you that are skeptical, what I'm asking you to do is as the drama unfolds in the story, is to stay in the story and, and try to listen to what God has for you. Fair enough? Cool. All right. So we pick up, we pick up uh, in the story in chapter 2, Jonah is inside the fish. And it says this, Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish and, and it vomited Jonah on to dry land. So Jonah's swallowed up by this fish, prays this kind of lengthy prayer, and God answers him, and the fish vomits him up onto dry land. Clear enough? All right, let's go home. <laughs> the story kind of plays out that way, right? That's what it seems like. Um, though that may be true, um, I actually think there's more going on in this story. And to get at that, I have to give you two things that are worth noting, okay? So first, Jonah is not your ideal prophet. He is not the hero you want in your story, right? He, 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 he runs from God's calling, and he literally... Uh, is trying to get as far away as he can from God, yet God still pursues him, and he's willing to give up at life rather than do what God asks of him. He is not the hero you want in your story. Number two, the fish is not the nemesis in the story. Though it does seem that way, right? God kind of sends this fish, and it seems like the, the fish is like, embodying like God's judgment or punishment and the fish swallows Jonah up and like it's like oh God's teaching him a lesson and it does seem that way but I think if you if you stay close to the text it actually is the opposite the fish embodies God's faithfulness to Jonah God 
rescues Jonah, which leads me uh, to my first point this morning. Uh, In the midst of our disobedience, God is faithful. Jonah isn't someone we should strive to be like. No, Jonah is who we are. We are Jonah. We are disobedient. We run from God's call constantly. I am a pastor, and I know what God has called me to do, yet far too often I disobey. I do the opposite of what God asks of me. Disobedience is kind of who we are. When I was in college, uh, I drove a lot. I went to college down in Orange County, and I worked at a church while I was in college, and it was kind of a commute. And I dealt with kind of this uh, horrible interchange of uh, like three freeways, the 57 to the 91 to the 60. It was really bad. Me and my friend, we sometimes would carpool to church. He was a musician at the church, and we, you know, we'd be driving fast, and people would get upset at me for maybe breaking some of the laws of the land while driving. And I would get a gesture. I'm sure this gesture is very uh, common to all of you, right? It's a, it's a singular finger, similar to this, but imagine a couple over. Um, and the funny thing is, is, I wouldn't even be mad. I'd be like, oh, you're flipping me off? Great. Like, like, I'm, like I'm like egging them on. Uh, and... One thing that my friend and I started to do, which is, this is not an example of what to do, okay? Okay, just let me be clear. You know, when people would be doing stupid stuff or they would flip us off, we would give them a straight up thumbs down. (laughs) Just, and I'm telling you, okay, maybe you're like me and the, you know, the middle finger does nothing to you, but if someone gives me a thumbs down, that hurts my soul. (laughs) That is painful. Um... I tell you that story because, you know, I'm a Christian, I was a pastor at the time, yet I was not very loving when I drove my car. And I knew what was right. I knew I was supposed to, you know, say, sorry, I messed up, abide by all the rules, 10 and 2, and, and drive, but it, that wasn't the case. And, and I think, you know, that's a, a, an example of... Uh, how trivial it can become to be disobedient, but yet when it comes to major things, I think it's the same way. We can disobey God, and we can uh, go our own way, yet God is still faithful. God is still faithful to us despite our disobedience, and and that's the, the foundation of our faith. Christianity is founded on this idea that God became flesh, Jesus Christ came and pursued us. He came and lived a life to show us how it looks like to be God's people, and then was willing to die for all of humanity. He was even willing to die for the people who were nailing him to the cross, who sentenced him to death. And on the cross, he says to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That is faithfulness. That is what it looks like to be faithful. And that is who God is. Um, Back to Jonah. Sorry. Jesus tangent won't happen again. Um, So Jonah is in this fish. 
and to me, it doesn't sound like it's a better situation. It sounds like he, there's like these two choices. He's like in the middle of the storm in the water, kind of bobbing in the water, or he's in this fish. <laughs> the fish doesn't seem like God's, you know, protection and salvation. It just doesn't seem that way. And, and I don't think Jonah um, actually realizes that it's a better option either. I think he's there, and he's just in the moment. He's realized that he's made a mistake, and he realized that he has to turn to God, which leads uh, to my second point. In the midst of our most difficult experiences, uh, there is hope. So Jonah is in this fish, probably has no idea he's going to survive, and he turns to God. He gives thanks and praise to God and recognizes that he is in a, a difficult spot. He is broken. He is lost, yet he still finds hope. He still finds God in this situation. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know that life never plays out the way you think it's going to. Uh, when I was younger, I had this kind of fairy, fairy tale idea of what life was going to be like. And as I've grown older each year, I realized that's just not true. And though I've been blessed um, incredibly by God, and I'm so grateful for the ways he's blessed me, the reality is, is brokenness just finds us. And a lot of times, it's actually self-induced. We cause our own brokenness, right? We disobey. We do stupid stuff, and it hurts the people around us and ourselves. But then there is this brokenness that seeks us out when we do nothing at all. It just happens. And that's the brokenness that, for me anyway, is the hardest to deal with. I grew up in a uh, first-generation Korean family. My parents were immigrants. They immigrated right before I was born. And um, I grew up in a Korean-American family, um, in a Christian home. Um, and it was fairly normal, whatever that means, right? I thought, I thought life is normal, great. Um, I actually have a picture of my mom and my dad um, that's our wedding day. My mom is to my right and my dad. I just realized earlier, my dad's wearing sunglasses in my wedding pictures. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, that is so OG, isn't it? Like, man, like, only my dad could pull that off. So, um, I grew up in this, you know, awesome family. Um, in 2007, um, I found out that my mom had a child before she was married to my dad. She had a child out of wedlock in Korea. And, and because of the social and economic pressures of Korea at that time, um, a lot of single women were giving up their kids for adoption. So my mom felt the pressure of society to just give up her son for adoption, so she did. She regretted it. She actually, a couple days later, went back to the orphanage, wanted to get her son back, but was, this, her son was gone. In 2007, her son found her. 
His name is Olivia. I actually have a picture of him. He was at my wedding too. Um, 2007, he found us. My mom was reunited with her son. There's less than a 1% chance for adoptees in Korea from this time to find their biological parents. Miracle, a literal miracle. I welcomed another brother into my family. It was an incredible time for us. Um, he, He actually, we spent a lot of time together. He would visit and we realized we were so alike in so many ways, though we grew up thousands of, years, or thousands of miles apart. He was adopted by a French family. Uh, he was French, and his name was Olivier Bosson. And uh, he was a uh, computer engineer-like. Uh, he had a career in computer engineering. But he also was a freelance photojournalist. And what he did primarily was uh, document conflict zones throughout the world. So anywhere there was a war, he would go. And in 2013, he was in Syria, and he was killed. Um, He died from a shelling um, outside of Aleppo, and it was devastating. Um, For myself, but you can imagine how devastating this was for my mother. Her son was ripped from her, At a very young age, they are reunited, and then again, ripped from her. That is brokenness. That is what happens in this world, and we just have no control over. But my mom, being the most faithful Christian that I know, Realize this, that in the midst of life's uncertainty, um, God is still with us. In the midst of our brokenness, God is with us. There isn't only hope. I think it's easy to say, yeah, I can find hope in this. No, God is actually present in the midst of our suffering. And I know in a room this size, there is brokenness. Some of you probably are dealing with the word cancer, and you did nothing to to deserve that. Maybe someone you know uh, um, is dealing with cancer, or if you've lost a loved one, or you're dealing with stress at work, or you lost your job, or... The list goes on. This world is broken. We are broken, and we need hope. This morning, I want to let you know that there is hope. I believe with my entire being that there is hope in this person named Jesus Christ. Though it's hard to see sometimes. I'm going to be real with you. It is. It is hard to see Jesus in the situation with my brother. But my mom knows that God is there. And for those of you that are dealing with just a broken situation or circumstance in your life, I want to reassure you that God is there. Even though you don't see him, I believe that he is there. Would you bow your heads with me? This is a place where uh, we want you to come as you are. 
We don't want you to put on a face or a front and, and, and make us think that everything is okay. We especially want you to tell us if you are dealing with brokenness or pain or heartbreak. And so if that's you this morning, um, I want to pray for you. I want to lift you up. And if you would, just, just raise your hand so that um, I can pray for you. If there's anyone who's dealing with brokenness and hurt in this life, pain, I see you. Yes. I see you over there. You can look at I see you. Anyone else? I see you guys. I see you back there. I see you. Those of you that are dealing with brokenness, I want to reassure you that God is with you. Though you may not see him, trust that he is there. There are others of you here probably who have just heard this Jesus guy for the first time. And you're thinking, well, what's, you know, what is he about? I want, to, I want you to know that in the midst of your brokenness and uncertainty in this life that he gives you hope. Not a hope that is fleeting, but a hope that lasts. It actually gives you new life a life that lasts into eternity. And so if you want the hope that Jesus brings because you feel like you need it, um, if you would, just raise your hand so that I could also pray for you um, as well. Just look up and pray. Thank you. All right, let's pray. God, um, we know life is messy and uncertain, and brokenness comes, and there really is no explanation why. But God, I know that there is hope, even in the darkest places. I pray for those people here that are dealing with brokenness and pain and heartbreak, that they would sense you now. That your presence, your Holy Spirit, would possess them in a way that is undeniable. So God, give us your peace. Because we so dearly need it. In the midst of our brokenness and our joy. And God, for those people here who are, are seeking you out, I pray that they would see you as their one truth. That they would know that they cannot do it on their own, that they need you. And in the midst of their brokenness and their need for you, that you would meet them where they're at. That you would provide them new life through your spirit. God, thank you for being a God who pursues us, a God who gives us hope, and a God who is with us. Thank you, and we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.